Hello and welcome back to another very special episode of Faking Injuries. Here at Faking Injuries, it's our job to shine a wonderful light upon European football with the ultimate goal of bringing our fellow Americans along for the ride. Charlie, I think I speak for both of us when I say we cannot be more excited for football to be back. We forgot what it felt like. It's not just the extra dosage of sertraline I'm getting, no. It's Rebecca Lowe, it's NBC Sports and the production team, the green pitch, the wonderful accents of the announcers. Yeah, for the viewers who want a little more context into our lives, we actually did a chest bump and then a hug just over excitement of the Premier League being back. That was before the first words were spoken. (laughs) But with that, let's get into the episode. This one's your brainchild. Though you were on holiday, you were still putting in work, scouting, a lot of YouTube ad revenue was made off of you this weekend. Share with the listeners, and me for that matter, where we're taking today's episode. Off the top, I do have to say, airport, possibly the best place to watch Premier League highlights. I mean, I crank through about 10, just back to back in there. With that said, we want to talk about a few teams that are jumping out for good reasons or bad. And there's definitely a mixed bag in here. I feel like we have to start at Man United Tottenham, because it's two clubs in transition, but... Man United, a lot of people had predicted them to be on that upper trajectory, getting back in the top three again. And Tottenham, a lot of people had pegged for a ninth place finish, such as myself, and I'm going to look foolish at the end of the year. Are you outing me as well for having Man U top three? (laughs) That feels like a direct shot. It was a shot and also a pat on my back for boldly putting them in, I think, sixth or seventh. I was not high on their prospects this year. Okay, you're doubting the bald man. I guess in this matchup, who were you more excited about or who do you have more feelings about? It has to be Tottenham. I think this is probably the most exciting Spurs team I've ever seen. You know, not necessarily the most talented, but Ange Postacoglu, their Australian manager who came from Celtic and has quite a track record over his career. He's breathed some new life into this team and you can see it in the players, especially the younger ones. I thought Pape Matarasar really stood out. I mean, we have not seen much of this guy since he left Mets. I believe it was two seasons ago, went back on loan for a year. Yep. He couldn't really get into the team under Conte when he was with the squad. And boy, did he look like the future superstar that we thought he was going to be at 18. You know, though Daniel Levy went Italian outside of England's border for his managers, they were ultra nationalist almost, right? Their defensive styles... They weren't always willing to risk promoting youth at the expense of some of the errors that might come with that. But who could be better than Ange? It's been two years for Saar working away with no real shot into Mourinho, Conte's. Maybe Ryan Mason's team was the only one he was getting into. Yeah. Who do you see in him? Like, who, who would you compare him to historically? I don't know. I feel like you get lazy with these. You go same nationality, same position. He's not quite a Pogba, but he's long, lanky. The weights on his passes were amazing. He was making late runs into the box. That's where he got his goal. Like, all-around performance, holding it up. Him and Basuma is so sexy. To me, he he has a little Basuma in him, but also, like, like you said, like, Pogba feels like a lazy comparison, but, like, he's got that shot in him. He likes to take long shots, and he's definitely a little bit of a higher-level dribbler than you would expect for a passer, of his quality. 
he's super exciting. And we also got to talk about the other young superstar, Destiny Udogi, who we've talked about, I think, since this podcast incepted. I believe I tried to convince you to write an article of young stars with me and Udogi was the first one I put on the list. He was one of the first names on one of the first docs and you said Inception. Dare I remind you this podcast was conceived by you and myself. (laughs) We're proud parents but I will absolutely echo the sentiments on Udogi. We've watched him playing in Udinese where they make it easy for us to find young and -and up-and-coming talent because it's the young Often we're seeing players from Africa or other interesting areas make it into these squads. Yeah, and he really popped initially because he was on the Italian youth squads, was incredibly attacking for a left wing back, and loved to get like a shot off, had crazy goal contributions from the young age of like 18. He reminds me a little bit of a Frimpong, but on the other side in that he doesn't really have to do much defensively. The whole system is kind of catered to him just getting the fuck up the pitch and whipping in some crosses and getting in the box. He's a young Italian Alfonso Davies, and I couldn't be happier he's playing under Ange because he looks like a star in the making. Yeah, the theme is empowerment. That's what Ange does. He's like a socialist politician in the heyday, right? He's empowering the labor unions, the blue-collar people, and the bankers all together. That's what Ange does. These players were previously pariahs in the squad. We know Conte liked to beef with anyone who looked at him funny. He's trying to become these players' fathers rather than beef. (laughs) I think he's probably signed some conservatorships in his first few weeks as manager. But let's keep running through the squad. I know we could talk all day about him. Vicario, the goalkeeper, young Italian himself. Had you watched him much before? Almost not at all, because I believe, did he come from Bologna the Empoli. Empoli, you're right. I had not seen much Empoli in my life. That one's on you. I'm not afraid to admit. But he, to me, looks like the Italian Pickford. He just loves to yell at his defenders, which I'm a big <laughs> fan of in my keepers. And he's actually a pretty solid keeper, too. He's made some great saves so far in his first two games. Honestly, I'm surprised we didn't talk about him more in the summer as one of the better bargain transfers. Like, with all these squads, like... Chelsea throwing 30 mil at Roberto Sanchez, a backup goalkeeper, like stupid decisions like that. They got what appears to be a youthful, absolute stud of a keeper for, I think it was 12, 15 mil. Seems like a bargain. Yeah, quickly, let me fire some takes off because Vicario is take inducing. Kind of looks like the Italian Ratatouille a little bit. Very narrow. Don't want to be derogatory or derisive, but... But mouse face, one might also say. Again, respectfully, Mr. Vicario. Very respectfully. One thing him and Pickford do share is something that the announcers like to call diving for the cameras. Because he had a few of these. I'm sure they look great in the airport, chowing down on some Jimmy Johns, or the last Quiznos in existence. But whoever we got on the NBC English commentary, he both applauded the saves while really letting it be known This new generation of goalkeeper, they like to be acrobatic with it just for the cameras and the Instagram. And why wouldn't they be? They get to make, what, five saves a game? You got to make the most out of them. Absolutely. I think that's probably good with Tottenham. Any parting Man United thoughts before we keep this train pumping? Yeah, they look really bad. (laughs) That's about all. (laughs) I mean, the system just clearly doesn't work. They're playing Rashford at striker. He looks uncomfortable. Bruno has not looked himself, and he's a little alone in the midfield with Mount pushing up pretty far. 
I just I don't like the way they play. I don't like the style they're seemingly moving towards and trying to be the best counterattacking team in the league. Like you're Man United, you should be able to possess the ball and play pretty good football like a squad like Man City or Arsenal are with the same spending power. They're just trash. I I'm done with them. And as a viewer, my only gripe with this squad is that Casemiro and Rafael Varane have the same perfect olive skin tone, and I mix them up about seven times a game. Same haircut, too, kind of. Again, I wish I was this beautiful Adonis like these men, but it really messes me up over the course of 90 minutes. It's usually a skill of ours, too, because you can't really see the numbers all that well. And, you know, I'll be with friends who don't watch soccer, football as much, and they'll be like, how do you know, like which players wear. And it's like, I just know. I know from their general build who's who. But with these two, it's really confusing. I don't think we should hold it against ourselves, but let's keep it going as promised. Where do you want to go next if we're doing five big takeaways this weekend? My other big takeaway is another pat on the back for myself. And it's Brighton. Just doing Brighton things. They look like they're headed straight to the top four Champions League. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're top of the table at the moment, having scored... I believe, eight goals through two games. And I just want to talk about how amazing this squad and the squad building has been over the last five years. Please talk about my squad. Your squad, yes. The one highlight of Matoma dribbling through six defenders for a solo goal, already a candidate for, you know, goal of the year. And I had the thought, like, he's reached such a status at Brighton, almost like a Jack Grealish at Aston Villa, where he is just valued so highly by that club now. And anyone who's not rating him as like one of the best wingers in the league is foolish and has not watched a game in the last six months. I just think he's so crucial. Everything's running through him. I hope he stays for a while is what I'm saying. Okay. I hope he's in that squad for a long time. And if he ever does leave, it's 100 mil at least. To Newcastle. And that's not a price tag I would criticize either because that's the type of guy you want to spend 100 mil on, a winger or a striker that can get you goals. And Tony Bloom's going to put a little sentimental premium on this one. Kaoru, one of their most perfect examples of finding value overseas, like in Japan, he went to college, right? That puts a lot of these young Japanese footballers behind the clock when it comes to how quickly some of these things move. But he was prodigiously talented, the dribbling, everyone knows about his college thesis and him studying the physics of dribbling. He's a menace. He's a merchant of torture to opposing defenders. And Tony Bloom's going to get 100 for him. And 180 for Evan Ferguson. At least. <laughs> 100 for Inciso as well. One other thing I loved to see was uh, Solly March giving all the credit to Inciso after he basically created a goal for him. Solly March had two in the game, but the one that Inciso had the assist for, he just immediately ran over, was pointing at him, was like, no, no, don't cheer for me. Cheer for like this 19-year-old who's just unbelievable. And he's, to me, one of the best veterans you could ask for. Just an amazing player, dribbler, crosser, a leader, but he's all about the team. He works hard. He reminds me of like a like a Peyton Manning giving a tap on the back to a lineman after a good block on a TD, and he looks a bit like him too. I think the forehead's a bit more in proportions <laughs> for our boy, but point taken, and not to be an asshole, but I'll correct you because Enciso had both assists on Solly March's goals. And I think they came within three minutes of each other. Similar quick counter opportunities and and CISO delivering perfect balls. My prediction, which I don't think I've formally launched on this podcast, but 20 goal involvements this year, I think it's well on track. I think you're higher on him than you are on almost anyone on this Brighton team. 
Uh, except for Matoma, of course. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. I just want to end on uh, Roberto De Zerbi, their manager, who we absolutely adore. And he had a great press conference recently. His quote was, the big clubs can buy our players, but they can't buy our spirit. And something about that just really hit me in my bones. I almost converted to being a Brighton fan after hearing that. I was jacked up after. You've already had your one-time conversion. You know how the <laughs> rules work. Did you read this or listen to it? I listened to it. How was the accent? Oh, fantastic. Clipped all over Twitter. It was just beautiful. Who does he look like again? Do you not know what Roberto De Zerbi looks like? No, but I'm thinking of the actor that he looks like a total doppelganger for. It's not Mr. Bean. It's Mr. Bean adjacent. It is Mr. Bean adjacent. I'm trying to think. <laughs> we'll leave it there without disparaging our boy De Zerbi much further. Let's keep it moving, Charlie. I want to take it next to a place we've become quite familiar with. It is a match week where Everton gets battered, homer away, doesn't put up a goal, and and return to their meager homes in Liverpool without talking on the bus to each other. To any listeners out there who might be a Everton fan, I would just say this squad really sucks, and we're excited for it to get relegated. <laughs> With that said, Aston Villa, oh boy, did they look incredible. Leon Bailey... A revived man with his teammate Musa Diaby back alongside him. I'm going to stop you right there because you must not have been on the Twitter after the match. Our man allegedly pushed a supporter who was trying to get an autograph in the box. Sight unseen. Let's face it, this is Birmingham. A grimy, overeager, drunk supporter near Bailey, his pregnant wife, and one of his kids. Sorry, pregnant mother of his child. Can we blame the man? No, that's how they treat him in Birmingham. You got to push him off. Mm-hmm. You got to stand your ground. Such laws exist in Birmingham, we're sure. But keep it going with other takeaways from this one. Our boy, possibly our most desired future guest, if he'll come on after all the things we've said about his dump truck, John McGinn got a goal. And I just love to see that man smiling and celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> he does the upside down glasses to make himself look like a... I don't know how to put this otherwise, but less genetically fortunate person. And it plays. What a fucking goon, John McGinn. I remember I used to do that in like kindergarten. We thought it was cool to like do the upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Our man is trapped in time. But on the pitch and separate from his dumper, Unai Emery's given him this attacking role. I thought the producers had it wrong. I thought Foot Mob had it wrong. It shows him playing like left mid, left wing. He's a left winger now. <laughs> I know, but he's perfect because he does have more of a deft, advanced skill set. Sure, he's not the paciest guy, but he's creative enough. And, and, and he'll press. And he'll press. <laughs> and he'll press his thing. I'm happy for Villa and Emery because after getting spanked first game against the Newcastle, which... To be fair, they didn't look horrible in. They just got a little unlucky. And then, like, once the goals start leaking, it can kind of be a flood. And once Mings tore his ACL. Yeah, it's tough to come back from that. But they're going to be a good squad. And I love this attack. Leon Bailey, Musa Diaby, Ollie Watkins, and John McGinn's ass. I mean, what a front line. (laughs) (laughs) Did you give our boy Duran some love? Oh, no, I haven't. John Duran, the former Chicago Fire player. Gets his first goal in the Prem after his move in January. I gotta say, just based off his appearance alone, he looks like a big striker should. You know, he's got a little bit of a Colombian Erling Holland look to him. <laughs> he looks like an AI database was the one that put its credibility on the line to say, sign this guy. I don't even know if it processed his output in terms of goals and assists with the fire, but you just look at him, 19-year-old, robust, athletic, Colombian 
He looks like he could be the truth, and you got to take a flyer on someone like that. And he also looks like he could be 28. He could, for the Chicago Fire sell-on clause, we're going to hope those documents never come to light. But we spotted this guy in his relatively short runway with the Fire, I think played less than 30 games for him, really caught fire at the end of, was it last year in the MLS, scored like... I don't know, six goals in nine games, was pressing. He's always been a little rough and raw around the edges, but everything is there, and he's still so young legally. He reminds me of a young Benteke a little bit, just that physical power and pace, you know? He's just, he shoves defenders to the side. I see it, but he's even smaller and more athletic, though, than purely Benteke. Sure, sure. Should we take it to our last game? Let's do it. In the Premier League, surely. No, we're going down. Down to the championship. We made a commitment this year, and we're following through, which is something we don't often do. I feel like I've been talking too much, so I'm going to throw it to you to lead off on this one. What can we take away from Sunderland's victory over Rotherham? And thank you for reminding me, Rotherham, because I was frantically searching our Google Doc. Without further ado, Sunderland, led by the new young star, Joe Bellingham. Did you say Jude? I did not. I should have warned the listeners this might sound familiar, his older brother's now at Real Madrid, but Joe Bellingham, he's doing his brother's trick, running it back, 17 years old, Sunderland, almost got promoted last year via the playoff, but they're going again. They've got the young French billionaire underwriting shit, and this was a bigger outlay for them, I think around $3 million. Less. Less than two mil. What? Yeah, he was like 1.5. Well, maybe it didn't take a sophisticated AI system to tell you that Job might be worth taking a look at. But in what I presume was his home opener, scored the two goals in the 2-1 win, looks like his brother, has a similarly biblical name, but I think he's got the better one here. And he puts Job on the back. He doesn't want anyone mistaking him for his brother. No last name on the back. It's Job. Wait, is this reality or what we're pitching? No, this is reality. He wears Job on the back. <laughs> Job number seven. Oh my god. Are we prepared to be early on this one? Job over Jude? Job over Jude. 50 mil to Dortmund next summer. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched the highlights of this one, and he could have easily scored a hat-trick in this game, too, if Rotherham hadn't had a great block late in the game. But apparently, at least what I gathered from the commentators, is that he's in a more advanced role. He was mm. kind of playing 8-10, but this game, he looked like a second striker, or more often a striker, because... They subbed off the other one at halftime because he wasn't doing anything up there. And he looked like the number nine for this team. And just as a whole, this team has finally gotten their feet under them this season after I think this is their third game they've played. They're playing absolutely beautiful football. I mean, creating a million chances. Jack Clark on the left looks like an absolute stud. And they're looking sexy while doing it. It's a young squad. And right after this game, I had to throw a bet on Sunderland to win the league and also to get promoted. I don't love the win the league just because this team, to our benefit, is very volatile. If they're going up one of these next few years, it's going to be making it fifth or sixth in the league and doing it through the playoff promotion, and we wouldn't want it any other way. Absolutely. I'm so excited to continue to watch them. I would guess they're going to be my most watched championship team. Maybe mixed in with a little Southampton, but they're exciting. Yes. We're going to stay accountable with it. EFL championship. We'll even don the sponsors. I think it's the Skybet Championship. So Promo code DUMPTRUCK for a $50 free bet on Skybet. Also, disclaimer, 
that code does not work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charlie, when you're making jokes that corny, I know it's time to hit the end button on the recorder. Any parting thoughts on this one? No, I think that's all. We're excited to watch more football. There's a lot coming up. If you ever want to join us, find us at AJ Hudson's. We'll be there every weekend, or at least most weekends. And find our QR codes above their urinals. (laughs) Yeah, do that as well. As always, thanks all for listening, and please give us a rating on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at FakingInjuries or on Instagram or Threads or YouTube, all at FakingInjuries. There might not be any content there, but... Give us a follow. Be early. This is going to be a land grab. (laughs) All right. Love you guys. Bye. Ciao. Love you guys. Ciao.